Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon here with my friend and Chavruta Yardena Osband, our Daf of the day, Masachat Nazir, Daf Memtet, page 49. Page 49 is a short Daf with, you know, more commentary and less Gemara. We're going to start on Ahmed Bet, really. We're really going to focus on Ahmed Bet today with the Mishnah and a little bit of Gemara with an interesting Machloket, Breita, and so on. Al-Elu Tumot Nazir Megaleach. So the Mishnah says as follows. The Nazir shaves for having become impure for three different cases of impurity. Namely, Al-Hamait. This comes as no surprise. If the if he becomes impure from the from a dead body, Al-Kazayat Min Hamait, on a small portion of a dead body, of a corpse, the Al-Kazayat Neitzel, um, which is... Uh, and on a, an amount, a small amount, right? That's a kazayat of the fluid from the dead body. Meaning, all of this is fundamentally tuma, tumat It's not other kinds of tuma, but it's a recognition that it doesn't have to be a full dead body for for the person to be rendered impure. Va'al melo tarvad rakav val shidra val gogolet val aver minamid val aver minachai sheyeshalav basar karaui val chatsi kav atzamot val chatsi log dam val magaan val masaan val al etzem kisora al magao val masao. Well, we're going to explain what all of these things are, but the point is that all of these things are, you know, some portion of. Um, of the body. So here we go. I'm going to just go through quickly the spot on the, I'm sorry, the first there's the dust of the corpse. Then there's the spine, the skull, a limb from the dead body, a limb that was severed from a living person, which is also not very pleasant to think about, but it's also considered tame, right? Impure. Um, assuming that it's not just a bone, I think. Um, if there's a certain amount, this half kav of bones from a corpse, or a half a log of blood from a corpse, or the, if a, if a nazir comes, um, in contact, meaning in touching them in any such way, or carrying them, or even for that matter, having been in the same tent with any of them over him meaning the tent is over both him and them any of these items or the of the body val etzim kisora and the amount of a bone that is a barley grain it's just a very tiny amount i guess and the that would be even for the touching and for carrying right not for the tent okay fine meaning it's a recognition that I guess that a person that can come in contact with a part of a dead body without it being the full body, and here's all the different elements that would in fact leave the person of Tameh. And the only real distinction here is that if it's a tiny, tiny amount of bone, then um, carrying would make the person impure, and touching it would be impure, but the tent, being in the same tent with it, would not. Al Elo and Azir Megaleach, and all of these things in Azir would shave. And the the Kohen would sprinkle the ashes, right? This is from the, the Paraduma, from the red heifer. It would do on the third day, on the seventh day, the point being to purify him. And it would negate all of those previous days if he was counting towards a Nazir because he's come in contact with a dead body. He has to be 
he has to be purified before he can even continue the count. He doesn't begin counting the de- the days of a nazir, like to be a nazir again, until after he is pure and having brought his carbonate that one brings at the end of being um being impure, right? It's part of the purification process. And only then can he restart his count of being a nazir. So, you know, the Mishnah here is pretty straightforward. And I think that's why the Gemara actually begins with a very sort of like odd story. I mean, they bring a brisa that essentially quotes most of the text of our Mishnah, except it leaves one thing out, which becomes very important to the story. Tana Rabbanan, the rabbis taught in a brisa, Archar Pitrato Shel Rabbi Meir. So following the death of Rabbi Meir. So we'll just do a very quick um, who's who of who Rabbi Meir was, right? Rabbi Meir... Uh, is a fourth-generation Tana. Um, he's actually the third most mentioned um, uh, Tana in all of Mishnah, and his wife is Buria. That's really sort of the very, very key things to know about him. Um, and, you know, there's also a lot of stories about him and Achar, Alicia ben Abuya. Alicia ben Abuya was one of his teachers, and they continued to have a relationship even after Alicia ben Abuya seemed to have, you know, uh, you know, become a heretic and and left the path. Um, But his teacher, his primary teacher is Rabbi Akiva, and he also learns with Rabbi Yishmael. So so this takes place after he dies. And what happens? Amr lahen Rabbi Yehuda l'tamidav. So there's Rabbi Yehuda says to his students, al yikansu tamidei Rabbi Meir l'kan. Don't let Rabbi Meir's students basically come here. Right? Mipanei because they are, it sounds like the word's contrarian, right? Because they're critics. They don't come to learn Torah. But rather, they come to bother me. Um, and so the idea here is, is that his students were going to come and basically sort of you know, bother Rabbi Yehuda, and they weren't really there to learn with Rabbi Yehuda, right? Presumably they needed to find a new teacher uh, to learn from. Um, And, you know, basically, uh, you know, he's basically saying that this is not, he he wasn't really going to, they weren't really going to learn from him. Um, They were just going to try to bother him and sort of show that they were smarter than him or something like that. Um, so, uh, what happens here? So Sumkos, who was one of the Rabbi Meir's students, comes in, and he says to them, and he says, this is how Rabbi Meir taught me this mitzvah, this Mishnah. And so he quotes the Mishnah, right? Right? That for this sources of Tuman Nazir has to shave his head. Right. And so the key line here is that he says for a corpse and for an olive's volume of corpse. And so this is exactly what our Mishnah said. What's implied here in this story is that Rabbi Huda, this is based on the discussion that comes later, taught this Mishnah, except he left out the word al hamet. Kas Rabbi Yehuda Vamarlhen. And so Rabbi Yehuda becomes angry and says to his students, Lo kachamarti lahem, didn't I tell you? Al yikansu tamide Rabbi Meir lakami b'nesha kantranin hain. Don't allow the students of Rabbi Meir to come in here because they are critics. In other words, he also wants to know, how could Rabbi Meir's reading be correct of this Mishnah? If he shaves his head, 
for becoming tummy from an olive's olive's volume, right? A kazayas of a corpse. Al hamate local shikane. Then also from a mate he would. So why did the mission have to say mate? So he is upset with Rabbi Meir's students because they're quoting our version of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yehuda's version didn't have the word mate in it. Um, and he doesn't like it, uh, you know, that this, uh, you know, why, why uh, he doesn't understand why you need the word uh, mate in there. So it's a little bit of a funny Mishnah because it's not sort of just giving us Rabbi Yehuda's version of it. Um, but instead, it's sort of, um, you know, it, it's it's sort of telling us that, um, uh, you, you know, it's giving it to us in this sort of roundabout, uh, this roundabout way. Um, and, um, you know, what we're also seeing is, is that there were sort of sometimes rivalries uh, between uh, some of these, uh, you know, some of these Tanayim and that Rabbi Mayer's uh, students sort of had a particular type of um, reputation uh, that always wasn't so, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think this was like necessarily such a nice thing to say about his particular uh, students. So the Gemara goes on, right? And we have Rabbi Yossi come in, right? I'm a Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yossi says, Yomru, again, this is all stars, part of the same Brisa, right? They will shall say, Meir Shachav Yehuda Ka'as Yossi Shatak, Right? Mayor died, Yehuda became angry, and Yossi remained silent. Now, the Rabbi Yossi, he's sort of like saying this to himself. Should I speak up and say something? Rabbi Mayor dies. Now Rabbi Yehuda's angry with everybody. Should I say something to sort of, you know, or should I should I just stay quiet, basically? Or is, or is he obligated to say something? Torah matehe aleha, right? What will become of the Torah? In other words, if he stays quiet, in other words, he doesn't challenge Rabbi Yehuda that Rabbi Yehuda's understanding of the Mishnah is actually correct, and you do need to have that text of Al Hamid, um, and that's actually the correct, uh, you know, uh, ver- version of the Mishnah. Um, then the actual Torah is really going to become lost. So Rabbi Yossi sort of isn't sure what to do. Should he actually speak up or not? So what does he do? I'm a Rabbi Yossi. He does end up speaking up because of this fear of Torah Matehe Aleha. So he says the mention of the mate was was not needed except, right, to include a corpse that does not have an olive's volume, a kezayit of flesh on it, right? So that even if it's lacking the kezayit of flesh, it still could transmit tuma. The Gemara then is going to go on to sort of explain this a little bit more what Rabbi Yossi meant. And then Rava comes with also an explanation, remember who's in Amora later, of why you needed the mate here. Um, but I think it just gives us this, you know, sort of little bit of an interesting thing with some of these Tanayim uh, about, you know, sort of a little bit of a particular rivalry that was there. And Rabbi Yossi ultimately makes a decision to say, you know what, it's really important that I sort of make sure the correct version of the mission is out there even though it's going to offend Rabbi Yehuda.